it's great to see you today. And I, I, uh, I want to just let you guys know uh, one thing real quick that we're really excited about. But this is the last, kind of the last chance opportunity for you ladies. Our women's spring celebration is going to be coming up uh, in just a very short amount of time. And there are just a few tickets that are left. If you've ever been a part of this event, you know how great it is. This year is going to be even better than the years in, uh, previous. Uh, so they've got a lot of great things planned. But we're very, very limited on the space and the tickets. So if you want to be a part of that, be sure to purchase your tickets today. Before you leave, you can buy them through our website. Or if you're not a website person, just stop by in the lobby. You'll see one of the vertical TVs with this graphic. And you can purchase tickets there. And we'd love to see you there. It's going to be, going to be really great on May the 21st. Uh, so it's coming up real soon. Actually, it'll be this Saturday. So th- this really is like last chance opportunity. Uh, and one more thing I want to mention. Last week, we told you about one of our church members, Tanya Dekua, that had been through a uh, really difficult situation, domestic situation. She was shot eight times a couple of weeks ago. She's recovering and, and uh, getting better and better. Had a couple of little setbacks, but doing better. Uh, and we've been, uh, we announced last week, we've opened up a fund in her name. And I think so far, we've collected about $5,000 for her, which is awesome. But I know that they still, yeah, we can celebrate that. But, you know, still have that fund open and available. If you'd like to donate, you can do that through the website. Or if you write a check, make sure you put in the memo line that it's for Tanya. Or if you're giving cash, be sure to put it in an envelope and put that it's for Tanya. Uh, We had some issues last weekend with the texting service. And I'm not like a texter and, and giver. Like, I struggle with that anyway. But if you are, just to update you on how that works, if you're going to do that, you have to text the word Tanya, T-O-N-I, and the amount to 84321. If that makes any sense to you, good luck, but to me it doesn't. If you want help with that, see John Glowacki, a worship minister. He set it up, so blame him if it doesn't work right, and uh, he'll get you squared away. Now, we've been in this series, Saints and Struggles, and and what I really like about it is, is the tagline, is permission to be honest. Because we know what a, what a saint is. It's not somebody who's perfect, but it's just a follower of God. If you're a follower of God, then you're a saint, according to the Old New Testament. But we still wrestle with some issues. Even though, okay, I'm trying to be more like Jesus, I'm not there yet. And some of us are, you know, do a better job than others, but we all kind of have some hang-ups. And what do I do with, with those issues? And one of the struggles that, that I think that there's a, a significant portion of the population we identify with is depression. You know, it's just that feeling of, okay, I, I don't have any direction here, and, it's, and, and, and as I've read and studied up on it, the bad news uh, pretty much uh, has been confirmed that depression is the number one health problem in the world. And it causes more death than cancer every year, and it's ranked as the leading cause of disability. In fact, one out of every nine, this is shocking to me, but it's true, one out of every nine people is on some form of depression treating prescription, and one out of every five has been on one at some point, and those numbers just continue to increase every year. And here's the thing is some of you in this room, you have dealt with this, and you have been properly diagnosed by a medical healthcare professional, and you've been prescribed medication that you are taking under the care of your healthcare provider, and that is great. 
Some of us, maybe we need to be on, on something like that. We need to go to the doctor and explore those things. And I, I would have no more problem with that than I would, say, if you were sick and went to the doctor and they prescribed medicine like, like they're treating the flu. But the problem that I see is that one in nine, one in nine, I don't see one in nine of us dealing with anything that's similar. There's not one in nine of us that have cancer. One in nine of us don't have the same kinds of health issues. But yet, one in nine are are saying, I've got some form of a depression that I need to be on medicine just to deal with life. And for some of us, it it is a need. Your your brain is is just like any other organ in your body. And it can be sick, it can have problems, and Christians can suffer from depression and mental illness just like any other organ in the body that's not working properly. So I'm grateful for those that, that have a real problem that, that are getting the help that they need. Some of us in here, maybe, again, maybe that's a step that we need to take. Maybe need to see a medical professional. Maybe need to be, uh, you know, exploring that and find out what might be going on. But for many more of us, my fear is that we have jumped to a conclusion that medication is the only answer for me. I've got to have this, and when perhaps there might be other lifestyle choices and emotional and spiritual problems that need to be resolved, and medicine might numb the pain, but it's not going to solve the issue. It's not going to get down to the root of the problem. And research is showing, I mean, this is secular research, you can look at it, uh, psychologists and other people who study this that are saying that we have more control over variables leading to depression than we realize. That for many of us, it, it's not a life sentence. There's a strong chance that oftentimes the things that we call the symptoms of depression come from areas in our lives that are in need of attention rather than the disease itself. and So I'm not trying to underestimate at all what the help of doctors and medicine and therapists can do. But what I'm saying, and please hear me on this, is that medication itself is not enough. It's, it's not going to solve the problem. There's clearly a need for something else. Because for many of us, the underlying pain is still there. And so today, we're going to look at the story of a prophet in the Old Testament... A great man of God who I'm going to argue was suffering from depression. And we're going to look at a time in his life where, where he's in the minority. There, this is a time where uh, the, the nation is following a, a, fa- a false god by the name of Baal. And many people are worshiping that. There's a bunch of prophets that are speaking for him. And Elijah basically calls him out to a challenge. says, you know, this is a false god. You guys are preaching about a you know, false god, and, and, and uh, it's just this, uh, he, he wins the challenge. Now, I don't have time today to go into all that, uh, of what happened, it's an amazing story, but, but this would be a defining moment in his life. You would think if you were going to ever have a mountaintop experience riding high, this has got to be it, and you would think that his faith would be validated, and he would be verified in front of everybody, and and, and that life would be great. But what happens next for him actually is that the life that he now steps into, I believe, is a life of depression. He goes from riding high to a very, very low point after this defining moment. So we're going to pick up the story at this moment where there's a, a really wicked, evil king named Ahab. A lot of corruption in his wife, the corrupt queen Jezebel. 
and they say, look, we're going to kill you. Because he'd had this challenge with these prophets and they, they had died. And so they said, we're coming after you. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it says that when Ahab got home, the corrupt king, he told the, his wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you just as you killed them. So this is a threat. You know, we're coming for you. And the next few verses tell us what Elijah does. You would think somebody who's seen God work in these amazing, miraculous ways, he, he would say, well, bring it on. But it says that Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat underneath a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Now, if this isn't, if this isn't clinical depression, then it's, it's certainly a moment of extreme fatigue, lifelessness, and even a suicidal thought. I mean, this is in a day and age where it wasn't, suicide wasn't really a, wasn't really a thing as much, and, and here he is saying, you know, just take my life, God. I just want to die right now. And, and I, I believe a lot of theologians agree with me that, uh, that Elijah was depressed, traumatized, and just had lost the spark out of his life. And at that moment, he is definitely not, definitely not mentally healthy. And there have been times... There have been, been times in my life when I've felt a little bit of that, at least to a degree. And then I've felt guilt for feeling like that. You know, what, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I not, you know, why, why am I not, uh, why am I feeling so down? Why am I feeling so bummed out? Like, why isn't my faith strong enough to handle this? I think I shouldn't be, I should be dealing with that. And it's brought up a question in my mind that I, I just want us to sit in for just a minute. Should we think about mental health issues, we think about depression, should a, a Christian even be having these struggles? I just, want, I just want you to think about that. Should a Christian even be having these kind of, these kind of problems and these kind of struggles? And I, I, Just hang on to that thought. Just, just, just sit there for a minute. I just want to just kind of generate some thoughts in our minds. If we are followers of Jesus... We placed our faith in Him. We placed our trust in Him. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. Shouldn't that be enough? Is it a sign of weak faith? Is it a sign that we're fatigued or bummed out? If we, if we take it all the way up to the clinical level and say, oh yes, I'm, I'm depressed. I struggle with clinical depression. Is that a sign? Is it a sign that we aren't really trusting Christ? Just hang on to that for a second. Elijah had been used in all these incredible ways. I don't have time to talk about all of it today, but if you want to go home and read 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, just incredible stuff that had happened. And he's, he's watching God move really earth-shattering things that are happening. And yet now he's so down, he's thinking about death. I just want to die. God, just take my life. And this is what I know. You and I, we are fundamentally spiritual beings that have physical bodies. 
You, you are not a body that just happens to have a soul. I would argue you are a soul that happens to have a body. That means that we are primarily spiritual beings, which means that we need spiritual solutions, not just physical solutions, not just medical solutions. Those are great and they can help, but, but we need spiritual solutions as well. And, and what we've done, we, we have, we've, we've stigmatized mental, mental illness for far too long. Should a Christian struggle with these things? It is not a sin to be sick. It's not a sin to be sick. It's not, it's not a sin to struggle with depression no more than it would be a sin to struggle with Alzheimer's or, or Parkinson's disease. Your, your character is not defined by your chemistry. Your, identify, your, your identity is not in your struggle. But with mental illness, we've, we've stigmatized that. God never wastes a pain. You and I, we're going to go through a lot of things in life. They're going to be there are going to be problems. There are going to be a lot of times when we think about problems in life, we think about you know, circumstances that just don't go our way. I didn't get the job that I wanted. Or you know, I, you know, my electric bill was higher than I was expecting it to be. Or you know, so, something like that. You know, that's what we think about those as trials. We don't think about the trials that are beneath the skin. Those can be trials as well that we, we walk through and we're trusting God in those moments and yet he, he uses those in ways to, to strengthen us and to, to make us more the person that he wants us to be. And as followers of Jesus, we should, we should never shy away from allowing other people to see our own weaknesses and how God uses them to bring hope and to redeem suffering. We can be honest. We have permission to be honest but a warning, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, just a, just a warning. It's easy for us to get stuck in the cycle. Well, we do identify with our struggle. We, we kind of, we'll label ourselves. And we never take the steps to get out and break those cycles. And so we just end up becoming a person who is just, I'm just depressed. That's me. Sorry. Hello, my name is Brandon. I'm depressed. You know, that's just, and we just accept it and live there. Rather than understanding that God has created us to grow. Healthy things, healthy people grow. And we don't, we don't want to be stuck. It was the Apostle Paul who said in Romans 5, we think about our, our weaknesses and, and understanding that it's okay. He said in Romans 5, he said, we can rejoice we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials because we know that they help us to develop endurance, right? Something is happening with this. It's not just a problem that I'm stuck in, but the problem if, as I'm growing, it says I, I'm, I'm developing endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. It's just okay to be honest about our weaknesses, but let's not just, let's not just be content being weak people. Let's know that God is using the weakness to do something. And when we look at Elijah, he's in this state of extreme fatigue. I would argue he's, he's wrestling with depression. And then I was thinking, what are some of the... Uh, what are some of the triggers for us? 
when you're when you're bummed, you're blue, whatever, you're just down. What are what are the things that that easily lead us there? I can think of at least four things, at least four triggers. They're going to be on the screen behind me. One is when you're just when you're just flat worn out, when you wear yourself out. You just push and push and push and push. You're putting in all the overtime hours. I talk to people, they're like, yeah, I worked 60 hours this past week chasing that carrot and then wonder why, why do I not feel myself? Because you're tired and exhausted. That's one thing. Another is when you shut other people out because this is something we do also. When, you know, there are trials and problems. It's, well, I'm just an independent person. I'll just deal with this myself. You know, I, I'll have funerals for grieving families and that's one of the things that, that sometimes you'll see people do is just like, I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I, I don't want anybody around. I, I don't want to be bothered. I just want to go in the house and draw the shades and just be alone. And I'm just shut everybody out. And then we wonder, why am I, why am I so, feel like I'm such a, a deep, dark pit? The other thing is when we focus on the negative. You ever watch Winnie the Pooh? You remember Eeyore? I mean, focusing on the negative, what do you, everything's just swinging that tail, you know, everything's just so bad and so horrible. And we all know people like that. We all know somebody that say, hey, how are you today? And the first words is, well, just, you know, everything's just so hard. And, I just, and it's because that's all they think about. They just, and, and actually studies have shown, and, and psychologists, people that study human behavior in the brain, we know that there are these, these neural pathways or these like highways in the brain. When you talk about behavior and the way that we think and how it, how it works, that we can actually, truly, you can rewire your brain. You know, people think, well, I just, people just don't change. We don't change very easily. But you actually can change. And you actually can change the way that you think. But the way you do it is by changing the way you think. Instead of focusing on negative things all the time, if I focus on positive things and try to have a positive outlook, and yeah, that doesn't feel natural, it feels hard, but as you do that, your brain, those neural pathways are rewiring and you will become a more positive person. It's just the way it works. Another thing that can trigger depression is when we forget about God's faithfulness. We can come off the mountaintop, God's just done these great things, and I hit a wall and boom, I just forgot about all of his goodness. I see all four of these in Elijah's story. If you look again at verses 3 and 4, it says that, you know, the, the king and queen said, hey, we're coming for you. The first thing he did, he was afraid and he fled for his life. Just ran and ran and ran until he couldn't run anymore. He's exhausted. And then he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there and he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He'd shut everybody out. He left, he left his servant. And then it says he sat under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He always thinking is the negative. Negative, negative. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've, who have already died. Negative and he's forgotten all about God's faithfulness. He forgot what God had just done in his life. We all do the same things and it all leads to the same place. Depression can look different from person to person. I, you know, I've always, when I think about it, I've always thought, well, it looks like somebody who's in the house with the curtains drawn and you can't get out of bed and just, you know, crying all the time. That must be what, what, uh, what it is. And, you know, I know in, in, in my life there have been different times when I feel like I've just had a short fuse and like real irritable. And just, you know, somebody will just say something. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to just bite their head off and frustrated. When I get like that, I assume I'm just mad. I don't know why I'm mad, but I'm, I'm just mad. But 
turns out, I, I, I read, uh, I was reading this journal article from the National Institute of Mental Health. And this was really eye-opening for me, that, that that can be a sign of depression for men. Here's what it said. I'll read you this quote. It'll be on the screen. It says that men with depression uh, often hide their emotions and may seem to be angry, irritable, or negatively aggressive, while many women seem sad or express sadness. But men with depression may feel very tired, lose interest in work, family, or hobbies, and they may be more likely to have difficulty sleeping than women who have depression. Sometimes mental health symptoms appear to be physical issues. For example, a racing heart, tightening chest, ongoing headaches, or digestive issues can be signs of a mental health problem. I look through that list and I think, oh yeah, I think I've had all those at different points. Yeah, I, I can think about stressful seasons in life. And I'm not saying that I you know, am, am clinically depressed, but I've certainly had seasons where I've felt that. So what do we do in these tough moments? If we're saints, if we're followers of God, but we still have struggles. We don't want to stay there. You don't want to stay in, in the pit. The best part of walking with God means that we're growing. That he's, he's not done with us yet. We're, we're not about getting in ruts and staying stuck. But as we look at Elijah's story, I, we're going to see what I call God's prescription for our depression. And, and I think you're really going to like this. Elijah didn't have any hope. He's hiding out. He's waiting to die. He's wanting to die. And, and, and God, what he does is he sends an angel to represent him. And this angel is going to interact with Elijah. And, and what you're going to notice, what you're going to see here, is there, there's no sermon. And there's no coddling. There's no like, oh, come here, just lay your head on my chest for a little while and cry it out. There's none of that. There's no, there's no shame. There's no, well, if you'd only had more faith. There, there's no, uh, you know, if, if you'd only memorized more Bible verses or if you'd quoted more Bible verses, there's no rebuke. There's nothing negative. The very first thing that the angel of God says to him is this. He says, eat and rest. I want you to eat and I want you to rest. And that's something that I can really get behind there. I, I get excited about hearing that. We're going to eat something good and take a, take a nice rest. Verse 5, it says, as Elijah was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And then the next verse, it says, he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. I love that God provided him some food right there in that moment. He says, hey, this is what you need right now. Fill your stomach up. Get something good in you. This is going to be comforting. And then I want you to lay down and take a nap. And, and I, I say this, and I, I'm not trying to be cute here. For some of us, the most spiritual thing that you could do right now is to rest. Because you're burning the candle at both ends. And you got a lot of stress, a lot, a lot going on, and really the most spiritual thing you could do would be to find a comfortable place and take a nap and, and maybe eat some good food. Now the, now the problem is, and there's a warning with this, you know, everything we say is like, you know, anything that, that's good always has kind of a warning label attached to it. Some of us get stuck there. You know, eat and rest, that can be wonderfully comforting. But how easy is it to get stuck in that cycle where, okay, okay, eating makes me feel good. I, the comfort food, get that stomach full, and I just feel like a nice you know, hug on the inside. And then, okay, going to bed, I love that, feels good. 
And what happens leads to overindulgence and laziness. And then back to depression. And I just go back, I feel down, so I eat, I rest, I'm bummed. So I eat, I rest, I'm bummed, and we, and we don't take the next step. We, everything is, is a progression. Everything's about growth. So yeah, eat, rest, and then be ready for the next step. Be re- okay, God, what are we doing now? There's some, there's a, some great things about resting, I, and I, I want to I mention that real quick. Uh, years ago, I served at this little country church in Illinois, and uh, every Sunday, there was this older man. He was a farmer and worked really hard. And uh, every Sunday he would come in and he'd sit like in the back row. And about time for the sermon, you'd see him back there just kind of his arms folded over his chest and lean back and he'd fall asleep. He did that about every other week. He'd fall asleep. And somebody asked me one time, he said, does that bother you? Like, is that, do you, are you offended that he fall asleep? And, and uh, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh man, am I, am I too boring or what's, what's going on? But what I realized, no, he's, he's just tired. And I, and I love this guy. He's a great guy. And, and so I told somebody one time, I remember, they said, does that bother you? And I said, you know, it, it really doesn't. Because I know him, and I care about him, and I know he cares about me, and he's tired. And honestly, the fact that he feels comfortable enough to come into the, you know, into the Lord's house and to be around God's people as we're looking at God's word and we're you know, encouraging each other, you know, that he feels at peace enough to get probably some much-needed rest, I think that's probably good. Now... If you do that, you know, I just want you to know if you've had a really hard week and you just happen to catch yourself like nodding off, nobody's going to beat you upside the head. Unless you start snoring, then you might catch an elbow or two. <laughs> I might have to say, hey, you know, just to make sure you're still with me. But, uh, but you know, that, that's okay. Maybe, maybe that's the most spiritual thing some of us could do is, is to allow ourselves permission to rest a little bit. But you read on in verses 7 and 8, it says, then well, what's next? It says that then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him again and said, now get up and eat a little bit more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. You're getting ready to go somewhere. Remember, we don't get stuck here in the cave eating and sleeping. We're going to come out of the cave now, Elijah. So eat some more so you've got some energy because here we go. It says he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. I think this is important. To Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Literally, what God is saying to him, here's what you need. Eat, sleep, and then go to church. Mount Sinai, that's the place where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. The mountain of God, the place where the presence of God was. He literally saying, you need to eat, you need to rest, and then go be where God is. Go, go, go to church. God's prescription for depression, that's what it is. Eat, rest, and then go to the place where you will experience God. So the second thing, if you're taking notes, number two is God replaces our lies with his truth. This is the next step in the process. If I'm going to get out of that cycle, in verse 9 it says that Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, we, we, we understand that obviously God knew why he was there. He sent him out in the first place. God knew what was going on with him, uh, but, but God wanted Elijah to voice his problem. He wanted him to recognize what it was, to verbalize whatever lies that he was believing so that God could correct the lies. He says, what are you doing here? In verse 10, Elijah replied, he says, well, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. That's true. 
But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. That's also true. They've torn down your altars. That's true. And they've killed every one of your prophets. Well, not, not totally true. And I am the only one left. He says, that's false. That's a lie. See, he's thinking, I've been doing all the work. False. You have not. And, and I'm the only one who cares. False. I'm the only one who can get it done. False. He was owning more responsibility than was actually his. He was trying to shoulder everything. He had done what God asked him to do. And, and in his mind, he thought, well, that means everything. I've got to do everything. There's nobody that cares like me. Everybody's depending on me. I'm all alone and nobody understands. It's all on me. And if you read on in this story, God's actually going to say, well, Elijah, truthfully, there's 7,000 others. There's 7,000 other Israelites that haven't forsaken me. And they're still praying to me and they're still serving me. And you're not all by yourself. It's not just you and the world has gone to hell. There are others, plenty of others. You're not alone. And, but this is the lie that most of us get stuck in. We have lost hope for something to change. And we're bearing the whole responsibility, the whole world. We think that everything depends on us. And we know we're not strong enough to get it done. So we say, well, you know, my, my marriage could never be healed. Well, last time I checked, God's word says that all things are possible through Christ. You know, oh, my, my kids, they're never going to come back to the Lord. They're just gone. They're just gone. I don't know where we went wrong. Well, God's word says that with faith the size of a mustard seed, mountains can be moved. I got this medical report and my life's over. I'm never going to be able to do the things that I want to do. I'm so discouraged and I'm so depressed. My body's betraying me. God's word says, is anything too hard for the Lord? But we believe the lies. And we shoulder all the responsibility as if it all depends on us. And that's what I love about the story of Elijah. God says to him, hold up. Just hold on. You're exhausted. You're depressed. Let's not just mask this pain with a temporary solution. Let's not just put a band-aid on this, Elijah. Eat something, get some rest. Let's identify those lies that you've believed. And the last thing that happens here is God speaks and gives us something to do. Purpose. In this story, I don't have time to look at all of it. You'll have to go home and read it. But it's so powerful that God, God whispers to Elijah. You would expect this big, booming voice like, Hey, it's me, it's God. But it, does, it just whispers to him, gently whispers. It says in verse 15, The Lord told him, I want you to go back the way you came. You travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, I want you to anoint Hazel to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu and to be king, this other king and anoint Elijah. You know, I want him to replace you as a prophet. He's saying, I want you to go back and do these things. What he's literally telling him, go back and do what prophets do, Elijah. Go step back into your purpose. This is what I've called you to do. This is who I've called you to be. Go back and do what prophets do. And I believe that God wants some of us probably many of us here today, to hear that. Because you're feeling down, and you're feeling blue, and you feel like life is over, and you've lost your confidence, and you're kind of unsure about the future. It feels a little shaky. And yet God says you still have purpose. You still have purpose. If you're still here, I've still got plans for your life. It's not over till it's over. You're not done. You're, you're not finished. 
you stay faithful. Stay steady. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Now, maybe you need to eat and get a little rest. Maybe you need to identify those lies. Let's deal with the root. You know, what, what's really going on here? Maybe you just need to draw closer to God so that you can hear him whispering to you. But you're not done. You're not done. It's always been an encouragement to me. People ask, what do you do when you don't know what God wants you to do? So what am I, what am I supposed to do? And for me, when I felt like that, there's you know, seasons that feel like a drought, kind of. Like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I always tell people the same thing. What's the last thing that you know that you know that you know God wanted you to do? What's the last thing that you're just sure, man, that was it? Go back and do that. And keep doing that until you are confident that he has called you to move on to something else. So if that means, well, you know, I remember years ago, God just felt like God was really gave me a burden and a passion to go serve at a, at a shelter, you know, women's shelter, and, and maybe help in the kitchen or whatever. Go back and do that. Or, man, I really felt like this burden to serve in church, and I just, I love babies. I kind of felt like maybe I should be in the nursery, but I don't know. Life is so crazy and hectic. Go back and do that. Or maybe it's like, I just never really have accepted Christ at all, but I kind of felt that like I should, but then I haven't, and I don't know. And I feel, go, go do that. Go and do the last thing that you know God wanted you to do, and you keep doing that until you're confident that he's moved you on to something else. Now, if you need somebody to help you think through that and maybe to pray with you about that, before you leave here today, stop at our next steps area. As you leave right there in the lobby, We've got staff and volunteers that would just would love to be there for you. But wherever you are today, my, my big challenge to you is don't get stuck in the cycle. Don't get stuck with the curtains drawn and, and, and that's it. If, if, you need to, if you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. But for probably many more of us, the issue is there's a spiritual issue. It's time to draw near to God. Give yourself permission, permission and the space to rest, to reconnect, and see how God will work on your heart. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that you care about us. You care about our, our souls, but you also care about our bodies, our minds, everything that, that you have made. You, you are involved in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today to, to, to know that you're near us. Help us to know that and help us to draw near to you. Help us to turn toward you and to trust you and to keep walking where you call us to walk. Lord, I know that we, we can come up with lots of reasons not to. We can come up with lots of, lots of valid reasons. But help us to identify what, what are lies. Help us to cling to what is true. And most of all, Lord, help us to, to continue to seek you every day as you continue to strengthen us. And we thank you most of all for Jesus and the forgiveness that you've offered us through him. And I ask all this in his name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. Hey, thank you so much for joining us online. Uh, feel free to reach out to us through our Facebook page or any of our social media avenues to uh, ask any questions or anything that you'd like. We're so happy that you joined us today. Um, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to connect with you uh, in person. We have a little gift we'd love to offer you just to say thanks for joining us. And um, we hope you have a great week. 
Uh, we hope you and your family are doing well, and we look forward to partnering with you again.